0: Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 279. My name is Sean Gerber, flying solo for this episode of the show in which I have a lot of news to discuss, and as I'm sure you are all already aware, none of that news is any good at all. I'm going to spend most of this episode talking about Victoria Alonso being fired from Marvel Studios, but I am going to start with the news that Jonathan Majors who plays variants of Kang in the MCU, Jonathan Majors was arrested on Saturday, March 25th with charges of assault, strangulation and harassment. Jonathan Majors representatives uh, immediately refuted the charges and maintained his innocence. They released a statement on Sunday, March 26th. This comes via Deadline and Jonathan Majors criminal defense attorney Priya Chaudhry, who says, quote, Jonathan Majors is completely innocent and is provably the victim of an altercation with a woman he knows. We are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the expectation that all charges will be dropped imminently. Evidence includes video footage from the vehicle where this episode took place, witness testimony from the driver and others who both saw and heard the episode, and most importantly, Two written statements from the woman recanting these allegations. All the evidence proves that Mr. Majors is entirely innocent and did not assault her whatsoever. Unfortunately, this incident came about because this woman was having an emotional crisis for which she was taken to a hospital yesterday. The New York Police Department is required to make an arrest in these situations, and this is the only reason Mr. Majors was arrested. We expect these charges to be dropped soon." End quote, now, soon after, back on Saturday, after Jonathan Majors was arrested, this was the statement from the deputy the deputy commissioner of public information, quote, a preliminary investigation determined that a 33-year-old male was involved in a domestic dispute with a 30-year-old female. The victim informed police she was assaulted. Officers placed the 33-year-old male into custody without incident, The victim sustained minor injuries to her head and neck and was removed to an area hospital in stable condition, end quote. So these allegations are, of course, very, very troubling. Domestic violence is obviously a very serious matter and must be treated as such. So at this point, and really at any point, It just doesn't matter what this means for the MCU. All that matters is that the people involved get the care that they need and that any parties guilty of any wrongdoing are appropriately held accountable. And we will have more to say about this as the investigation continues and more information becomes available. Now, regarding the news of Victoria Alonso being fired from Marvel Studios, where she has worked since... The beginning since Iron Man for the past 17 years, she has worked for Marvel Studios and most recently, for most of that time, has been a top executive at the company and most recently served as the president of physical and post-production, visual effects, and animation production. That was her most recent title. We learned on Monday, March 20th, that Victoria, we learned via The Hollywood Reporter, On Monday, March 20th, that Victoria Alonso had left the company or exited Marvel Studios back on Friday, March 17th. We knew that whatever went down happened abruptly, but we didn't know if Victoria Alonso had been fired or if she had decided to leave the company. We just knew at the time, just going back through, and that's part of what I'm going to start with here, just kind of recapping the timeline of what we knew and when, not that we know the whole story yet, not even close to it, but the news broke on Monday morning, mo- late Monday morning, at least Pacific time, LA time where I'm at, and saw the news that Victoria Alonso was gone. And it was a huge shock in a lot of ways, just because Victoria Alonso has been a fixture at Marvel Studios the whole time. Again, not necessarily at the mo- her most recent rank as a, in her president role, or physical and post-production and animation, VFX, all of that. That's a position that she's held since 2021, but she had been a vice president with many of those uh, elements within her purview for several years before that at Marvel Studios, and again, joined the studio uh, and first worked on the first Iron Man film. So she has been a fixture, and so it was an absolute shock to see that she was gone And my first instinct on seeing the news Monday was, we're going to have to do a podcast tonight. But then something was definitely off. It was very murky, and especially because Victoria Alonso, having been with the company for such a long time, that's just not the way you would imagine her exit going. If she were to ever exit the company, and I guess everybody eventually exits, whether they leave for some other job or retire or are let go or whatever it may be, would have expected a bit more ceremony, wouldn't have expected um, just the news to happen a few days after the fact with really no details. It was just a total shock, but just figured might want to hold off on podcasting about this because it just felt like there was going to be more information to come throughout the course of the week. And that news continued. So we found out on Monday, March 20th, that Victoria Alonso was gone from the company. We didn't know how or why. And then we learned a little bit more about the how, not so much the why. A couple of days later, on Wednesday, March 22nd, Variety reported that Alonso was fired. They didn't have the reason for the firing, but it wasn't Victoria Alonso having resigned or quit the company to go work somewhere else or anything like that. She was, in fact, fired by the Walt Disney Company, and I still felt like, well, the reason for the firing, that's probably still to come, and maybe we'll get another update on that later in the week. So I still held off on podcasting about this until we got the news on Friday, a couple big pieces of news on Friday. So on Friday, March 24th, The Hollywood Reporter reported that Alonzo was fired for breach of contract, multiple breaches of contract. For her work on the film Argentina 1985, that being at the center of the issue. And then later on Friday, March 24th, Alonzo's attorney, Patty Glazer, released a statement, and I'll I'll share that statement in full in just a bit, but called the the sense that or the claims that Alonso was fired for breach of contract over some press appearances for Argentina 1985 said that that was absolutely ridiculous. And again, I'll share the statement in full in just a little bit. But first, I want to go through and and what I want to try to do is go through the reporting before I start sharing any of my own thoughts or opinions on this. Although if I carve out a little space for that, I'll let you know. But I want to start by just sharing the reporting on each side of this. So, what has been reported on what seems to be Disney's perspective on this, including an official statement from a Disney spokesperson. And then I will talk about Victoria Alonzo's side of this as reported, but then also through that statement released by Alonzo's attorney. So let's start with Disney's side of this. So there was a statement from a Disney spokesperson to Deadline on Friday late afternoon early evening that said as follows, quote, it's unfortunate that Victoria is sharing a not, is sharing a narrative that leaves out several key factors concerning her departure, including an indisputable breach of contract and a direct violation of company policy. We will continue to wish her the best for the future and thank her for her numerous contributions to the studio, end quote. So they were obviously responding to, because Disney had not been releasing official statements all week, but they issued that to Deadline in response to, The statement that had been put out by Alonzo's attorney, which I'll share in just a bit. But just to try and keep this somewhat organized, uh, I'll stick with Disney's side of this for now. So here are the various things that, again, are not official comments or anything like that from the Walt Disney Company. The one official statement that they put out via a spokesperson, I've already shared. What follows is what has been reported. And I will mention and, and cite which outlet is reporting what. So, the Hollywood Reporter, who again was the, they were the original source on this and that. Victoria Alonso was gone from the company, and then they were the ones that reported on Friday the reason for the firing and how that centered around Argentina, 1985. So, according to THR's insiders, they said that Alonso breached a 2018 agreement that included the company's standards of business con- standards of business conduct which states that employees cannot work for competing studios. And for a little bit of background on this, Argentina 1985 is a film that was nominated for an Oscar this past year. It was not a film that was put out by the Walt Disney Company. Victoria Alonso was one of several producers on that film. And in addition to producing the film, she did participate in promotional campaigns for the film, including the award circuit, including going to the most recent Oscars, Victoria Alonso was there representing that film, not necessarily Marvel Studios and its nominee, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So that is what seems to be, or at least that's been reported as being at the center of this issue. And the contract that Victoria Alonso has with the Walt Disney Company, her employer, as reported here, it states that they that is against their code of business conduct, can't be working for a competing studio. And since Argentina 1985 streamed on Amazon, that makes it a competing studio. It was not there for the Walt Disney Company, not part of the Walt Disney Company streaming portfolio or theatrical slate or anything like that. It was work for a competitor. And sources say, or told The Hollywood Reporter... That Victoria Alonso did not ask permission to work on Argentina in 1985, nor did she provide Disney with any notice that that's what she was doing. Hollywood Reporter did add, though, that there was an IndieWire article published last month that the film, uh, uh, the film did have, or Alonso did have permission to work on Argentina in 1985, but that's not really what's being. Reported now. And what hap- what's being reported now is that when Disney did find out about the project and Victoria Alonso working on it and the violation of her contract, as Disney supposedly claims based on what's being reported, although they haven't official, well, they did officially say in their statement that there was a breach of contract. So Disney found out about the project, but because of Victoria Alonso's longtime service and veteran status for the company, they gave her a dispensation that essentially said, even though you did this from Disney's perspective, again, reportedly, even though Victoria Alonso did this, that was a breach of her contract. She wasn't going to be fired immediately for there. She was just, they, it would be, that would have been, and maybe that's where the permission came from. I don't know. Again, I just know what's being reported and what supposedly these sides are are, are claiming via the anonymous sourcing that they're providing to these trades, in addition to What they're saying very publicly in their official statements, but anyway, Victoria Alonso reportedly started working on producing Argentina 1985 without the permission of the Walt Disney Company. She received the permission after the fact, in that what's done has already been done. But then, what would happen for Victoria Alonso is that going forward, she would not be allowed to work on the movie any further, and that would include promoting or publicizing the movie, Argentina, 1985. No work whatsoever on that film. And this was a matter that Disney was reportedly taking very seriously. It was uh, it involved their management audit team and a new memo was reportedly drafted and signed that specifically prohibited Victoria Alonso from again, doing any work on the film, including promotion and publicity. And then Argentina 1985 premiered in September 2022 at the Venice International Film Festival, and then it was on the awards track, and then Alonzo was there during the film's awards campaign attending screenings and sitting on panels and doing interviews, as reported by The Hollywood Reporter, but also you can go and you can see interviews that Victoria Alonzo was doing during the awards circuit, including walking the Oscars red or this year champagne carpet and uh, promoting uh, the, promoting the film and its nomination there and according to sources for, via the Hollywood reporter Victoria Alonzo was reminded of her agreement and the breach of that agreement several times during this but the campaigning the awards campaigning continued and then the hollywood reporter notes how Victoria Alonzo appeared at the oscars and walked with Argentina 1985 she was there as a producer of Argentina 1985 walking the carpet with the film's uh, director, Santiago Mitre. Uh, she was not there representing or campaigning for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was a film that was nominated several times for this year's award ceremony. And The Hollywood Reporter also added that uh, what rankled, as they put it, Disney executives was that while Victoria Alonso was busy promoting Argentina 1985, her purview over Marvel's visual effects as president of physical and post-production visual effects and animation production was busier than ever. So Marvel Studios was busy making more projects in a given period of time than they had ever made, as of course was evidenced by how much they put out in 2021 and 2022. So Marvel was busier than ever, and yet Victoria Alonso reportedly was working on this other project for a competing studio without the permission of Marvel Studios, and then reportedly continuing to promote the film and attend events and screenings and other things for the film during the award circuit, as Disney reportedly was telling Victoria Alonso over and over again not to do this, and that what she was doing was putting her in breach of contract. Variety shared uh, similar information in their report reporting that Alonzo, she was reminded repeatedly and that those reminders were in writing, that she was in violation of her contract, according to Variety's sources. Variety also provided some additional information in the report that they gave back on Wednesday, saying that Victoria Alonzo was fired before there was reporting of the reason why. Just in terms of the corporate decision-making structure, this is what Variety reported back on Wednesday that even when, at that time, the cause of the termination was unclear, the decision was made by Disney Entertainment co-chairman Alan Bergman, to whom all of Marvel Studios reports, just like Lucasfilm and Disney Live Action, Disney Animation, they report to Alan Bergman. And as for Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige, one of Victoria, another one of Victoria Alonso's bosses as the president of Marvel Studios... Kevin Feige was not involved in the process, according to a person familiar with the with the situation, as reported by Variety. It's just that Feige who felt uh, Feige reportedly felt mired in an impossible situation and ultimately just did not intervene. And Var- according to Variety and their report back on Wednesday, uh, and an insider had told Variety that Victoria Alonzo was blindsided by the firing. We had additional reporting from Deadline on Friday, similar to what the Hollywood Repo- what the Hollywood Reporter was hearing from its sources. Deadline was hearing similar things in that reportedly Alonzo did not seek did not initially seek permission to produce Argentina in nineteen eighty five, but she did have her contract redrafted out of respect for her years at the company. With the sticking point being that Alonzo was. Distinctly not supposed to promote the political drama, which she ended up doing. That was the breaking point. An insider told Deadline, and they reported it. Deadline also reported that Alonzo would that an insider had mentioned or cited that Alonzo would take days off to conduct her own personal business affairs. Red producing Argentina in 1985, and this ultimately resulted to some degree in a logjam of Marvel films and TV series in the post-production pipeline, causing major theatrical release date delays. That was reported by Deadline via an insider uh, who mentioned that as as part of this situation with Alonzo being fired. Deadline also noted that in Disney's new cost-cutting, job-cutting, Iger 2.0 era, as they called it, uh, counting VFX visual effects expenses, uh, which was chiefly under Alonzo's domain, that was part of her title and in her president title at Marvel Studios, as one of those line items that needs to be reined in. So, overall management of visual effects, the costs of it, and then also getting the work done on time. An insider, again as reported by Deadline, was noting that as part of the issue at hand that Victoria Alonzo's work for a competitor was impacting the work at Marvel Studios in addition to just the general principle of a breach of contract a contract that already that already existed was redrafted reportedly to allow Victoria Alonso to have already worked on to allow for the work that she had already done reportedly without permission on Argentina in 1985 but then just prohibiting any further work including publicity and promotion which Victoria Alonso ended up doing for Argentina 1985. So that is Disney's side of it. In terms of what Disney officially said, I I think it's worth noting and, and worth clarifying and understanding that what Disney mentioned specifically was the breach of contract in their official statement. They did not cite any production or post-production delays or the log jam of visual effects work that may have led to some of those delays and blaming that on Victoria Alonso or blaming that on her work on 1985, that wasn't part of Disney's statement. That's what sources are telling uh, The Hollywood Reporter, sources are telling Deadline, but it's important to note again that that's not necessarily part of what Disney is officially saying is the issue here, but as reported by the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline through their sources, it may have been a contributing factor. Now let's look at what we know about Victoria Alonzo's side of the argument. Victoria Alonzo's attorney, Patty Glazer, released the following statement to Variety and then the other trades as well on Friday, March 24th. Quote, The idea that Victoria was fired over a handful of press interviews relating to a personal passion project about human rights and democracy that was nominated for an Oscar and which she got Disney's blessing to work on is absolutely ridiculous. Victoria, a gay Latina who had the courage to criticize Disney, was silenced. Then she was terminated when she refused to do something she believed was reprehensible. Disney and Marvel made a really poor decision that will have serious consequences. There is a lot more to this story, and Victoria will be telling it shortly in one forum or another, end quote. That is the official statement on Victoria Alonso's side of the story with her firing. Now let's get into what has been reported. So regarding one of the allegations made in that statement, that Victoria Alonso was silenced after criticizing Disney. Here's what Deadline reported about that. Deadline reported that they heard that her remarks at a Glad event last April in which she was very critical of then-Disney CEO Bob Chapek. And as you'll recall, April of last year was a time in which there was still a lot of controversy surrounding Disney's response and then-CEO Bob Chapek's response, or lack thereof, to Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. It was a controversy that was making headlines throughout February, March, and then into April of last year. And of course, beyond that, but this is where uh, things were kind of at the height of that controversy at the time, especially as it pertained to the Walt Disney Company. And Victoria Alonzo was very outspoken about that. She was not the only person who was outspoken, but obviously was very outspoken at that event. And according to... Deadline and their reporting and what they heard was following that, uh, following that event and Victoria Alonso's comments that Alonzo was benched by, by, quoting Deadline here, benched by executives and told that she could no longer do interviews or media at all. Alonzo was even asked late last year by a prominent director to speak out for a Marvel film, but she stayed mute. Then the self-described reprehensible incident occurred, which seemed to involve a disagreement with a Disney executive who is not Iger, we've learned. And again, that's Deadline who learned that and reported that. Deadline also added, though, that as for Alonzo being told to stay away from press, there are more than a handful of media clippings from June last year announcing her memoir with quotes from the then executive. And just to add a little bit of context to that, the memoir that Deadline was referring to there is the is Victoria Alonzo's memoir, Uh, entitled Possibility is Your Superpower. That is set to be out May of this year. I believe it's supposed to be out on May 2nd. And it is being published by Hyperion Avenue, which is a Disney-owned publishing company. And as far as we know, that plan has not changed. At least as of this recording, that has not changed. So what, uh, and, and I think the announcements around that uh, that memoir came out, uh, I think it was last June, or looking at an article here, June of last year is when that was originally announced. So that's after the Glad event in which Victoria Alonso publicly criticized then-CEO, then-Disney CEO Bob Chapek. So we've gone through Disney's side, most of, at least their official statement, is about breach of contract with some reporting to back that up. And then also reporting from Victoria Alonso, who is with her attorney or through through her attorney's statement, the side that we're getting from Victoria Alonso, her side of the story is that her making some publicity appearances for Argentina 1985, that's not why she was fired. She was silenced. She was asked to do something reprehensible. We don't really have, other than what Deadline said, some disagreement with a Disney executive. We don't know what that was in terms of what she was asked to do that she found to be reprehensible. Perhaps, you know, her attorney did mention that Victoria will be telling her story in one forum or another. So perhaps we will find out what that was. But in terms of what we have right now, Disney claiming breach of contract. Victoria Alonso's uh, attorney saying that's not what it was. This is somebody this was. Maybe a reason they're trying to claim, but that's not what actually motivated this firing. So in terms of the question of who's right, it's impossible to say without reviewing specific documented evidence from each side. We kind of know what each side is claiming. We know a bit more because of the the reporting. We know a bit more of what Disney's side of this is reportedly Than we do Alonzo's, but obviously there are some suggestions on on what her arguments are going to be if we ever get the chance to hear them. And I really don't know if we're going to get a complete chance to hear or read what all of her arguments are, because in one forum or another doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a public forum, but I'll have more to say on that before I wrap up this episode. But in terms of who's right, as I said, impossible to say right now when we can't just go in and review all of these specific documented evidence that could be presented from each side. We don't know what, Vic- we can't actually look at Victoria Alonzo's contract and what it did or didn't say, or this additional memo that was reportedly put on there, or this addendum or whatever it was, this additional piece of documentation that was reportedly drafted and signed that specifically prohibited. Uh, Press and promotion publicity for Argentina 1985. We can't actually see and review that information for ourselves, at least not at this time. So, in terms of any opinions I express or thoughts, analysis on this news going forward, I will just say right now that it all comes with the caveat that any opinion I express right now is just like any opinion you might have or, or be thinking right now it's all subject to change pending more information. As more information becomes available and we gain additional perspective, then our, my opinion on the matter and, and yours and anyone else's can rightfully change um, depending on the additional things that we learn as this goes on. But just based on what's been reported right now, I can totally understand Disney's side of this. I can understand why Disney... As a studio, in a studio, the definition of what it is to be a studio has certainly evolved, but now with streaming being such a huge component. But Disney, as a company, not wanting their employees to work for competitors, especially top executives at their company, that's not an unreasonable thing for Disney to want and have in their contracts. And if it is in their contracts, and Victoria Alonso signed that, then Disney is within their contractual rights to require that she adhere to that contract and not work for a competitor. So if it's in her contract that she can't work for a competitor, and if Victoria Alonso did not ahead of time secure permission, and I would recommend for anyone, this is not me speaking to Victoria Alonso, who doesn't need to hear anything from me, but for anyone. Who has a contract with an employer that says you can't do something, and you want to do that something, then it is best to secure that permission and get it in writing or some other way that, the well, writing's the easiest, that documents the agreement that you have permission to do this thing that otherwise your contract says you can't do. So reportedly, Victoria Alonso started work on Argentina in 1985 without that permission. So Disney is within its rights contractually to say, hey, you shouldn't have done that. And Disney did show, reportedly, if what is being reported is true, that Disney did take into account Victoria Alonso's contributions to the company, her years of service, And said that even though we see this as a breach of your contract, we are not going to um, we are not going to fire you right now. We are going to redraft something that allows for this work that you have already done. So we're giving you permission after the fact. Again, reportedly, if this is what happened, and Disney gives permission after the fact out of respect for Victoria Alonso's years of service, but says going forward. No more. What's done is done and we'll allow that because it already happened, but no more going forward, including no press or publicity. And Victoria Alonso signs that and she agrees to that, then it is reasonable for, if that's true, then it was reasonable in my mind for Disney to require that she again adhere to the contract and saying, no more press or publicity. And then Victoria Alonso, if she goes and does that, and Disney says, hey, we have a contract that says you can't do this, and here you are still doing it. You are in breach of contract. And then Victoria Alonso makes another press appearance or goes to another screening, another event, whatever it is, and again, based on the the variety reporting of repeated warnings in writing, if this keeps happening and Disney is saying stop doing this, you're in breach of contract, stop doing this, you're, you're in breach of contract, and it continues to happen, then I understand why Disney would eventually say, okay, we have to let you go. We are telling you, we have a contract with you that says not to do this, you continue to do it, and so we have no choice but to let you go because we're sending the message now that the contract we have with you and therefore, the contract we have with anyone else at this company, any other executive at this company, it doesn't really matter and it's not really enforceable because when we have something that would be, a, in theory, a key principle of this contract that we're going to pay you, do not work for one of our competitors, especially if you're a top executive making a higher salary. Do not work for our competitors. Part of what we are paying you for, we are definitely paying you for the work that you're going to do, but we are also paying you for exclusivity. All of your talent, all of your intelligence, we want that for ourselves. That's what we are paying you for. We don't want you to share those abilities with a competitor. If you want to be able to do that, then you need to be a freelance producer and not a studio executive with a studio title, because if you want to have the ability to work for anyone you want, whenever you want, then you have to make a different type of deal. But the deal you've made with us is an exclusive employment contract. And these things are very different, by the way, than the the standard agreement that a, a company might have with an employee, although exclusivity can also be part of that. And, and not working with a competitor and, and, and things like that. But it's also important to note in terms of the reason why Victoria Alonso was fired when they say it's for breach of contract and citing that as a reason they're saying, and as, rep- as reportedly that Disney fired Victoria Alonso for cause. And that is a really important distinction, by the way. And that's why, and the reason for that distinction is, is why Victoria Alonso also has a lawyer involved to combat that distinction, because when Vic, somebody like Victoria Alonso in her position, or maybe things are different for her, I I don't know. But when somebody is a contract employee, and usually top executives, that's what they are. They're under a contract. It's not necessarily a a standard employment agreement that people on you know lower levels of the company would be working for, an entry-level employee or even a middle manager or whatever it may be, they're under a contract. And it is different. It's just like you hear with Bob Iger when he's going to retire or when he was going to retire the first time and when he's going to retire the next time. He has a contract X amount of years. It expires here. And so that contract outlines how long this person is supposed to work for the company. That's how long they are exclusive to the company. And the, amongst other things, benefits and whatever else, also the compensation that they're going to be paid, a base salary of X amount, incentives based on these factors and and whatever it may be. So if Disney just decided, you know, Victoria Alonso, we like what she's done with the company up until this point, but we feel like there's somebody who would be better for this position moving forward. They just want to move somebody else into that position. Or they want to eliminate that position, which I don't think they would want to do. What Victoria Alonso does, it's work that has to get done by somebody. And, and so, but if they just just decide for whatever reason they don't want Victoria Alonso to be there, well, if it's not for cause, if it's not because Victoria Alonso breached the terms of the contract or did some other thing in the contract that would lead to a for cause firing, like she um, you know, some form of misconduct or, or whatever it may be. If it's none of those types of things to where Disney can say that she was fired for cause, because that was also part of the reporting that legal and HR were also heavily involved in this uh, this firing to basically make sure. And, and that's that's generally the process when a major company is firing somebody is to make sure that they have a legal defense for the firing. But if they just fire Victoria Alonzo because they don't think she's good enough at the job anymore. Well, she still has a contract and they still have to pay out whatever the contract stipulates that they need to pay out in the event that it doesn't continue, that it doesn't go all the way until its actual expiration date. And that may be, depending on the contract, and again, I don't know what that is, that may be that they have to pay her, like if they, if... If it's Disney, let's say that Victoria Alonso had a contract for two more years, well, then they would have to pay her either whatever they were supposed to pay her for the remaining two years on her contract or whatever sort of buyout amount would be stipulated by the contract. But either way, Disney, if they fired Victoria Alonso and it wasn't for cause, they would probably owe her some amount of money and a significant sum of money, most likely, If they are firing her for cause, as reported and as backed by their statement saying breach of contract, that would qualify as for cause, usually. If they're firing her for cause, then they don't have to pay her. Usually, if somebody is fired for cause, there is no buyout. You don't have to pay the remainder on the contract. You pay them up through the day they last worked, and that's it. They've been fired for cause. So that's why we're going to see Probably some form of legal action about this because if Victoria Alonso can show you didn't really fire me for the reasons that you're saying you're firing me, you're saying you fired me for cause and that cause was breach of contract, but that's not really why you did it. And if Victoria Alonso can prove that, or maybe she won't have to prove it, just make everybody feel like there's a good enough chance she can prove it that there ends up being a settlement. But again, more on that, uh, more on that later on. But that's why Disney, if they're going to fire her for cause, would be. They don't like seeing a breach of contract, but also there's, uh, there's a financial component to firing somebody for cause if indeed you actually have a cause that you can fire them and, and breach of contract would qualify. There's also, by the way, another reason why Disney would want to make sure that they are, potential reason, why they would want to make sure that they are enforcing their contract. Yes, the financial component is there. There's also just what's happening in this specific situation, but also what can happen in the future. I mentioned, you know, Disney, if they're not enforcing the terms of their contracts, it invites a lot of potentially negative things. It's other people breaching their contracts with the expectation that nothing is going to be done about this, but also there is the potential that if someone else later on down the line breaches their contract and Disney wants to fire that person for breach of contract, and that person is aware or becomes aware or their attorneys become aware that Disney knew about another breach of contract from another high-profile employee and did not fire that employee, did not subject that employee to discipline despite repeated warnings and everything like that. And Disney could hope that nobody ever finds that out, but if somebody did, then they could say, well, you can't really say you're firing me for breach of contract because you don't fire people for breach of contract, so now I have a wrongful termination suit. Speaking of which, that's what Victoria Alonso and her attorney, that's one of the things they may want to try and find out and discover. Is Disney firing other people for breach of contract? Are other breaches of contract happening Have they happened, and what was Disney's action uh, in those circumstances? Is there a similar case to what happened to Victoria Alonso or her breach of contract or supposed breach of contract? Is there something similar where Disney did not fire the person, even after repeated warnings or whatever it may be? That's something that can also help build the case for someone like Victoria Alonso. You can't say that's the reason if you don't use that reason to fire people in other instances in similar circumstances. So Disney says that a breach of contract happened, multiple breaches of contract happened, and that is the reason why Victoria Alonso is no longer with the company. And so in terms of other things, though, because this was part of the reporting, not part of Disney's official statement, but I do think it's worth addressing because it was brought up by Deadline, brought up by The Hollywood Reporter, that at the same time that a lot of this was going on, that um, connecting certain things, that there were delays to Marvel projects. There were projects that ended up having, drawing a lot of criticism for the quality of their visual effects. And that is certainly within Victoria Alonso's purview. So was that a contributing factor? Was that part of it in addition to the, was the quality of the work or a dip in the quality of, of the work also part of this? I obviously don't know. How could any of us know unless you're actually unless you were actually inside of this situation and inside those having being part of those conversations or witness to those conversations and knowing whether or not that was part of it. But I, I think from Disney's perspective, it doesn't have to be. And that's maybe why it's not part of their official statement. It may not have necessarily been a contributing factor, because that's not for cause. The breach of contract is the element that is for cause, and breach of contract is objective. If you can document it, if you can prove it, that is an objective reason to fire somebody. Was there a contract that prohibited doing certain things? Did that person do the things that were prohibited by the contract? Okay, that's breach of contract, and we are moving on. Although, In instances such as this, even if it is clear as day in the contract, that's not necessarily going to be the end of it. But that is where Disney would look at as a a reason to fire. Is that enough of a reason to fire somebody? I would say yes. If somebody breaches a contract that they have made with you as their employer, then yes, that can be a reason to fire that person, especially when that breach is doing work for a competitor. And and another piece to this that was part of the reporting is remember, deadline through their sources, what they were hearing was that Victoria Alonso was in addition to doing this work for a competitor, doing work for a, a movie that would eventually go to a competitor in Amazon, that Victoria Alonso was taking days off to do that work. I don't know that that necessarily really matters. I don't know how material that would actually be to the case. And the reason I say that is because it doesn't really, if the contract stipulates that she's not allowed to work for a competitor, it doesn't really matter when she did it. Because you could certainly make the argument that, well, if Victoria Alonso took uh, her days off, her normal days off that she's entitled to, weekends, whatever it was, and the other days that she took off, To work on this other project, that she covered it with paid time off, paid vacation that she wasn't vacation days that she was entitled to under the terms of her contract. So it doesn't really matter that she took days off for that reason. It's just the fact that she was doing the work for the competitor in the first place. It doesn't necessarily, even if she built it into time off that she was already entitled to, there is still a breach of contract unless the contract says you can, by the way, do work for a competitor in your off time using your paid time, your paid vacation days, personal days, whatever PTO you've got, you can use and your weekends, you can use that to do work on side projects, even if those side projects happen to end up on our competitors streaming platforms or their theatrical releases instead of ours. Unless the contract allows for that, then it's still going to be a breach. If the contract just makes it simple, you don't get to do any work for a competitor. Because, as I said, when that's part of a contract, part of what the company is paying for is exclusivity. Your time, your talent, your effort, it all goes to benefit them in exchange for the money that they are paying you, as opposed to potentially benefiting anyone else. They are paying for the exclusivity, and that's why it's in the contract. It doesn't necessarily matter if you're doing it on your days off. Now, I would say that it's it's definitely not a good look. It can take what is already a potential breach of contract and make it look even worse that not only are you doing work for a competitor, but the work for your employer is actually suffering, yeah, that can be, uh, obviously, that can be an issue for your employer, for any employer in, in any similar circumstance. I just don't know how much of a factor it would have been, because I don't know, in, in terms of the visual effects thing, because th- that's really what this is getting at, is this broader issue that I think has been speculated on more so than it's been reported. It's it's speculation that gets attached to a lot of the reporting. Now, this was the deadline thing of taking days off and, and whatever to work on the side project, and therefore the Marvel projects were, were maybe suffering. I would say, look, I, I don't know how many of the... We've had a lot of Marvel schedule shifts. I don't know how many of those were really attributable to specifically and and exclusively how much of that was attributable to VFX issues versus Marvel's had a lot of other things that have popped up that have caused them to reshuffle the slate in any number of ways. Obviously, there was the pandemic and a lot of reshuffling related to that, and that causes its own production delays and, and all of those sorts of things. There were director departures where that adjusted the schedules and and things like that. There's also this recent decision to slow things down, which is making them space out projects more, even projects they already have. So, for example, the Marvels, right? That moved from July to November. We don't know the reason why. Is it because the visual effects need that much more time to finish the movie? Versus is it because Marvel just decided... We don't have another movie after the Marvels. We don't have anything until Captain America four next May. So rather than have a gap all the way from July of twenty three to May of twenty four, why don't we just move the Marvels? I mean, I and those two things can both be true. The Marvels needs the extra time, and it's just better off being in in November and having more space from Quantum Mania and Guardians this year, and then of course Captain America four next year. That right re- it all works out to their benefit even though the movie really does need the extra time we don't actually know what the answers to that are but as it relates to a lot of the speculation around visual effects I certainly would be uh, I would be very displeased and, and this was one of the things that I was worried about and, and still I, I can't completely because again opinions are subject to change as we, Learn more information. But one of the things that I was definitely worried about as a potential reason, especially when we found out that Victoria Alonso had been fired and before we knew the reported reason why, I was worried that she may have been scapegoated. And I really hoped that that wasn't true because when there was some of that initial speculation that Marvel has had some VFX that have drawn more criticism than maybe they have in the past, although I don't know if that's entirely true, but as Marvel VFX have long been criticized, people bringing up that Marvel had never won an Oscar for visual effects, it's nobody's fault besides the voting academy that they never won an Oscar for Thanos in Infinity War or Endgame. I mean, it, that's just not on them. The uh, Those Planet of the Apes movies that just had the best visual effects of the past couple decades they didn't win any Oscars either, despite being nominated. So no, uh, the lack of VFX Oscar wins was not part of the. I highly doubt that was part of the decision making. As for other criticisms of the VFX and other just timeline issues of the VFX and log jams and all of these types of things, I just don't know that you could put any of that on Victoria Alonso and, and her leadership. And, and I'm was really worried that maybe she was scapegoated and hoping that that wouldn't be the case. Because I appreciate, you know, one of the things you you learn when you become a leader in an organization, a manager, whatever is there's a there can be a difference between fault and responsibility. And so even when you when you are the leader of something and leader of a division and that division is underperforming, you can find out and find out in a not so pleasant way that even though it may not necessarily be your fault and even though you did everything you reasonably could and reasonably could would have thought to do, you're still ultimately responsible for the performance of that division. And if it wasn't very good, then a change may be made and that change may be may result in you moving out of the company somebody else being brought in to your position but i really hope that even though that's a thing that can and does happen i was really hoping that wasn't going to be the case with victoria alonzo because in terms of fault and responsibility i don't even know that you could give her all of the responsibility the way and paul and i have talked about this on the show the way marvel studios makes things, invites the challenges that they have with visual effects. So in in terms of the complaints that Marvel, uh, from VFX companies and and artists that Marvel is, and I'm not uh, challenging the validity of the criticisms they've had or the issues that they've had when they're working on Marvel projects, I just don't know that all of that is attributable to Victoria Alonso because the way Marvel makes things invites these challenges with visual effects. It invites having to do a lot of extra VFX shots in a short amount of time. We know Marvel does these things, and we've even, we've talked about this too, we've celebrated the way that they make movies because there is a positive to it in the idea that they're always working on these movies. They're always trying to make them the best version of the movie that they can be, and so they're going to do additional photography and reshoots, and that's going to include new VFX shots and, and whatever it may be, and that's going to... Ulti- but th- the back end of that, the other side of that, of Marvel continuing to do work, is it's not just Kevin Feige waving a wand and the work gets done, people got to actually do it. People got to work the long hours to make that happen. And a lot of the people working some of the longest hours aren't the most well-compensated people. So that is part of the, the situation that Marvel has to be better at that. They can accomplish the spirit of, the intention of plussing the movie, making it the best version of the movie it can be by starting out with a better version of the movie, starting out with a better version of scripts and everything to have, to be a lot closer to the best version of the movie by the time they finish shooting it, as opposed to within a couple months of it coming out. That is something that Marvel needs to get better at. I think it's what they need to get better at in terms of it'll make the movies better. I think it will, and not to say, look, the way they've made movies has served them pretty well for a long time. Although I would actually say that, you know, Marvel's always, it's kind of been the running joke of how loose their scripts are. But I would say the scripts have gotten even more loose over the past few years. And when I look at, in terms of the quality, that's another thing where I'm hoping, wouldn't want anyone to get scapegoated, and, and unfairly so. That, that's it's already there in the word scapegoating. But not only would I wouldn't want that to happen because it's unfair, I wouldn't want Marvel to learn the wrong lesson. Like, the, the idea, because this was also a part of it, right, is, well, Victoria Alonso got let go because, in part, Anim, Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania underperformed, and that was because the visual effects weren't good enough. I don't think that's why Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania under, underperformed. I think it had story and character issues that were not Victoria Alonso's fault. I think what we've seen more frequently, again, not in everything, and, and not like everything with Marvel's been bad now. I stand by all the good reviews that I've given out over the past couple of years, but we have had more frequently story and character issues that have bubbled up in these projects. And those things, I, th- I know those are certainly what's bugged me more than any uh, shortcomings and visual effects. And, and honestly, I think that's what's bothered audiences more than things in vi- which, than visual effects shortcomings. And I know you can say, well, that's just ego that you think what you don't like is what audiences don't like. But Marvel movies have always at times had spotty effects here and there, but audiences have still loved them. Um, a movie like Black Panther doesn't have the most, I think some things were overly criticized in Black Panther VFX, but there are also some shots that, yeah, that, that doesn't look quite so great. But everybody loved that movie and it got nominated for an Oscar. Why? Because story and character were on point. And so I think for Marvel, in terms of the visual effects argument... I don't think that's really what's impacting Marvel Studios from uh, you know their standing with audiences and, and at the box office, and I also don't necessarily think that that's what really impacted Victoria Alonso in the sense that there's a general dissatisfaction with VFX within Marvel Studios, and she's being held to account for that, and I would certainly hope that's not the case because really, I think a lot of the shortcomings that are there for VFX, that falls on everybody who's a part of telling those stories, including, sure, Victoria Alonso, but that also includes Kevin Feige and whatever directors and writers they have on a given project. That includes a lot of people who I I think most of us would agree we don't want to see getting fired and and don't deserve to be fired because not everything in terms of VFX for Marvel has been totally up to par every single time out. So I, I don't really know how much of a factor that really was for Victoria Alonso being fired. And and maybe we'll find out and subject to change and more information will suggest that that's what happened. But now I'm of the mind that that maybe that didn't happen. But it still could have, to be fair, contributed. Because going back to that whole thing of fault and responsibility is, if you're in charge of a division and that division underperforms, it's very helpful as a leader in that position to be able to demonstrate that you have been doing all that you can, that you have been giving it your, your full and complete focus, your undivided attention to this very serious matter of, of how your division is performing, it's nice to be able to show that. It's not so great if your division starts to underperform or there are perceived slips on your watch And it turns out your watch maybe wasn't as attentive as it has been in the past. Because at the same time that your division, that things that are part of your list of responsibilities, that those things are starting to slip a bit, at that same time, you're also found to be in breach of your contract doing work for a competitor that you really shouldn't be doing. That's obviously the worst possible timing, right? The worst possible timing for your division to be underperforming is at a time when you can't show that you have given it your full attention, your full focus, where your employer already knows that you have been working on a side project and you weren't really supposed to be. Oh, and they've also been telling you, reportedly anyway, they've been telling you to stop doing that and you didn't stop doing it. That's where it can be Yes, a contributing factor, but not necessarily the reason that Victoria Alonso was fired. It can be, sure, it it didn't help that those things were happening, but the real reason and the real heart of the matter is the breach of contract that Disney kept telling her was an issue. So I do understand Disney's side of this as it's been reported and via their very brief Uh, official statement, I get their side of it. Now, as far as Victoria Alonzo's side of this, yes, I, I can also understand her side of it. And it's really, to me, who can prove their side of it? Because her lawyer, her attorney referenced having permission. Okay, so if there was permission, if that permission had been secured, then there really shouldn't be an issue. And when I say Permission being secured, what I mean, and I, and I don't know what Victoria Alonso's attorney, Patty Glazer, meant in that statement, but saying that it was there with the having the studio's permission or studio's blessing, when did you have it? Was it right from the very start, or was it more along the lines of what was reported, which is that Victoria Alonso became a producer and worked on Argentina in 1985 without informing the studio, without securing that permission, and then they found out and did whatever paperwork they had to do to make it okay in that moment, as long as it would stop right then and there. Permission after the fact isn't really permission, although even if you want to argue that it is because there was paperwork drawn up to cover it, okay, that's fine, but that would only cover Disney not firing Victoria Alonso for what had already been discovered and what they already knew about up until that point where they made this new agreement. But as they make the new agreement, then Victoria Alonso is, is bound to the terms of that. So, did she get permission even after? So, she got permission after the fact, either before or after the fact, for making the thing, being a producer on Argentina 1985. Okay. Well, then, did she get permission? Because apparently there was, the, reportedly there's this other paperwork, this other memo or whatever it was that was signed saying, no more, no more working on this, including press and publicity. So if Victoria Alonso is signing more paperwork that says you got to stop doing this, well, then she needs to get permission again. If she's going to go outside the scope of or outside the bounds or the terms of this agreement, needs to get permission again. And so in any time we're talking about securing permission... As I said before, it's got to be documented. And easiest way to document something is to have it in writing, but that's not necessarily the only way. If Victoria Alonso has permission, I mean, permission can be very, very simple as long as there's some way to prove it, a witness or somebody hearing it. For example, if Victoria Alonso goes to Kevin Feige and says, hey, do you mind if I duck out early today? because I'm going to go to this this academy screening or whatever screening for Argentina 1985. Although Victoria Alonso is the kind of top executive where they don't usually have to ask for permission to leave early. They just leave. Um, It's usually how it goes. But if Victoria Alonso wanted to find a way to secure permission, she could have found a way. Just tell somebody who is one of her, who is her direct supervisor or a supervisor or whatever, hey, this is what I'm doing and see what they say. And if they say, cool, she could count that as having secured permission. I don't know that that would be the best way to go about it, especially after new paperwork was already drafted and signed. I would have gone with a more secure way of doing it. But there's other ways that she could say, hey, I got permission. So if she has it, it's documented, and she can prove it, then that of course, goes into her side of it. Of this wasn't really the reason I was fired because everybody was kind of fine with this. They said it was a breach of contract, but they forgave me for it, and they ultimately gave me permission to continue on and, then, and continue doing the things that I was doing. If she had that and she can prove that, then that is that's really all she needs for her case. The other argument that she could try to make is, you can go into the the letter of the law versus the spirit, the intent of the law. And the same thing with the contract in that she could try to argue that the movie that she produced is, because, and this was also referenced by her attorney, right? That she ultimately only made a handful of press appearances and this was for a passion project. So, and, and the way that's kind of being defined is, look, she wasn't trying to, this wasn't something that Victoria Alonzo was trying to enrich herself with, make a lot of money. It's not like she's taking some huge payday from Amazon or whatever. And although I don't know if she got what money she did or didn't get for her work on the film, but they could certainly make the case that, look, this isn't really competing. Argentina 1985 is not competing with anything that Marvel, certainly not with anything Marvel is doing. And they could even try to argue it's not competing with anything that Disney is doing, although there's a broader scope of what Disney does with everything that they own. So that's a a tougher argument to make. But they could still say this isn't really a competing product, a competing project that Victoria Alonso made. You could go for it. You could try and make that argument. Again, as I also said, you could try to make the paid time off argument of, of the work she did on it. But that only... That only holds if the contract that she reportedly breached, it's not a breach only if there's a loophole that covers paid time off, or there's a loophole that covers the size of the project, or that has a more narrow definition of what is a competing project. If it just says you can't work for a competitor, the size of the project is irrelevant, you did a movie, it was for Amazon, not for us. Amazon is a competitor of ours. Side note, how funny is it that Amazon now kind of counts as a competitor? It wasn't that long ago, just a few years ago, when Bob Iger used to talk about how, and maybe this is worth bringing up in the case, I don't know, um, although I would say it is no longer relevant based on Disney's past few years and and they're being you know, fully into streaming at this point. But I do remember, not that long, probably a little more than a few years ago, Bob Iger used to talk about how Netflix wasn't a competitor of Disney, but now, of course, Netflix is and and Amazon is too. At least as it pertains to streaming, and Amazon puts out movies that go in theaters and stuff like that. So they are a competitor, and, and Disney can certainly define Amazon as a competitor. So I, I think they're I think they're fine on that art that side of their case from Victoria Alonso's side of it. If it's just you can't work for a competitor, and there are no loopholes for doing things on your time off. For um, working on smaller projects or whatever, if there's no loopholes to cover that, then it just it still would be a breach of contract that Disney would, in theory, be within its rights to uh, to enforce. Now, I, I also want to talk about the other side of this because this is what was when her attorney is referencing a couple of other key things here that she was silenced after being critical of Disney and and Disney and then Disney CEO Bob Chapek. That's a very serious allegation. And she could say, well, this, it all starts here. You know, you breach of contract, the, the, you know, Disney can argue that was the last straw, whatever, but that's really not where their discontent with Victoria Alonso started. It all started in April of 2022, and that, and, and it all led to this. And then the last straw was her being asked to do something reprehensible and refusing to do it. That will obviously be a, a key component to this whole process and, and these arguments that are going to be taking place between lawyers now is what was that thing that Victoria Alonzo was asked to do? And and obviously her ability to demonstrate, document, prove that it happened, what was she asked to do? And, you know, what did she refuse to do? And then of course, how soon after that refusal was she fired? Not that the timing is totally critical, because look, if you refuse to do something and your employer decides to fire you, they could hold on to it for a little while to make it look a little less obvious that that's the reason that they fired you. But whatever that reprehensible, as her attorney put it, that reprehensible ask was, that will be a key component to this. And we'll have to see what that is, if it gets uh, revealed to us. Uh, But also, as I said, the alleged silencing of Victoria Alonso, And there was some reporting from sources telling Deadline that that happened, that she was told she wasn't going to, she was sidelined and, and told she wasn't going to be doing press anymore. But there are things after that, that I'm not sure because that incident, um, well, not the incident, her speech at that GLAAD event, April of last year, well, her, she got to do press for the announcement of her memoir. A couple months later in June, she was on the red carpet doing some press Although most of it, I think, it looked from what I can tell, was official Marvel press, you know, Marvel account on Marvel's YouTube channel, which doesn't really count. But there was another outlet that I, I saw interviewed her on the uh, on the red carpet for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So there was still some press that was happening, official on behalf of Disney and Marvel Studios. So. I don't know if uh, I'd be interested to see the the case there, and, and maybe it was. Maybe she got a memo. Maybe she got an email of somebody telling her she wasn't going to be doing press anymore, or somebody told her verbally, and other people saw it or whatever. And I'm not, it's not to say that I wouldn't believe her if that's what she said was happening, but these cases also come down to what you're a what evidence you're able to offer to support what you are claiming. And and so if Disney's got it in writing that they were giving her these breach of contract warnings, then it will certainly be helpful to Victoria Alonso if she's saying, these are actually the reasons that I were fired. These were really more bigger contributing factors than, uh, than a breach of contract. These were the real reasons. And here are the things that happened. And here's how I can show that these things happened. Yeah, that is an important part of making the case. And the stronger case you have, The better chance you have of winning or scoring the highest possible settlement, because that is the most likely outcome of this, which I I, I will get to as I'm starting to segue towards something resembling a a wrap up on this for now. But I I think it's in looking at that, there are some things that Disney can already point to and say she wasn't really silenced and we're still publishing her book or, or whatever it may be. There we were, or we still decided to go public with the idea. I mean, who knows what's going to happen now, but we still decided to go public with the idea of publishing her book after all of this happened. That doesn't really sound like somebody being silenced. And, and also, Disney can point to, and, and they probably would if this were being argued, whether it's in front of a judge, a jury, uh, an independent arbitrator, whatever it may be, they would point to this and say, and it wouldn't be inaccurate there were a lot of Disney employees who were very critical of what the company was doing and its response, or lack thereof, to the Don't Say Gay bill in the late winter and spring of 2022. There were a lot of vocal critics within the company, and they were sharing those those opinions and those criticisms outside of the company. All of those things happened. and, And also the person that she was the most critical of, then CEO Bob Chapek, hasn't been with the company for a few months now and is somebody that nobody's been even a little bit shy at the Walt Disney Company about throwing right under the bus. So any criticisms of Bob Chapek, I don't know that that's really bothering people who are still there. And, And maybe I'm wrong, but I do think that Disney is going to have some arguments they can make to counter the claim that she was silenced following her criticisms of the company, her criticisms of Bob Chapek. They are going to have some things they can point to to say that's not really what was going on. Then we'll just have to see if we get to see, you know, what does what can Victoria Alonso point to to say, no, this, in fact, did happen, and worse yet, this could have been something that contributed to me being fired, and it wasn't just about the breach of contract, like they are, uh, like they're saying it was. But since they are saying they being Disney, and they are saying that it was breach of contract is the reason that they fired Victoria Alonso, or the reason she is no longer with the company. Let's talk a, a little bit more about that. I mean, I, I talked about her securing permission, but I, I also think, and, and this is where I, I really wish that everybody had gotten together and, and ironed these things out in, in some way that was workable for all sides because look I I understand why not that I can fully understand what it what it would mean to her and what it meant to her but yes I I get why Victoria Alonzo would want to produce something like Argentina 1985 I get why that would mean a lot to her and I get why that would mean it would mean, Even more, well, making the thing and and telling the story would be the most important part, but what would also mean a lot would be to see it being recognized and and see that people are celebrating this work because it was a project that she was understandably so passionate about, and people are responding to it, and it's being recognized, and you want to see it continue to get recognized because for something like Argentina 1985— the only way you're going to get a lot of eyes on it to have people actually see this story and, and understand what you are trying to communicate is for to, is for it to get that recognition. That's what's going to call people's attention to it because it's not the kind of movie that's going to get seen by a lot of people all on its own. It needs that sort of extra publicity boost with an awards campaign if people decide that it's good enough to get that sort of recognition and it starts receiving it. And so I understand why she wanted to lean into that I understand why she wanted to support that. It's a perfectly valid thing for her to want. There is no doubt about that in my mind whatsoever. I don't think she was trying to undercut Disney or Marvel or anything like that. I don't think that's what she was trying to do. I think she felt like she had the bandwidth to do both, that she could continue doing what she needed to do with her job at Marvel Studios, but also on the side as a producer she would be able to help with this other project that was a story that she felt needed to be told and that she really wanted a chance to be a part of it. I could understand why she would feel that and also look at it and say, I get that I'm not supposed to work for a competitor, but this really isn't a competing product, even if the company that it's going to go to is a competitor, this isn't really a competing project to the thing compared to the things I normally work on at the Walt Disney Company. And so when you're accusing me of a a breach of contract, I don't really see it that way. I understand where that would be her perspective. At the same time, I think that if your company, if your employer is repeatedly accusing you, if that happened, if that's true, if your employer is sending you written notices repeatedly that you are in breach of contract it's best to resolve that before continuing to do the things that they're repeatedly telling you uh, to stop doing because it's putting you in breach. That's where that would be the time, not after you get fired. Ideally, if you, and, and maybe there there wasn't that opportunity, but ideally it would be great and, and very helpful, especially around the time that a, a new memo is being drafted to carve out and say, well, if there ends up being an award ceremony, I want to be, or awards recognition, I would like to be able to participate in that because I am passionate about this project and I do want to see it be recognized because that's ultimately going to lead to more people seeing it in a way that doesn't really compete with Disney or Marvel's business and finding a way via and through lawyers, managers, agents, the whole collection and whatever team that represents Victoria Alonso to put that team to work in that last little addendum or memo or whatever it was, reportedly with her contract after the discovery of the existence of Argentina in 1985 and her work on it by Disney, that would have been an opportune time, or maybe even before securing that permission ahead of time and securing it in writing with everything that she would want and, and laying out the specific terms that would even have limits of here's how much time I can spend on this project. Here's how many events I can attend or whatever it may be. And and look, maybe she got all of that. And if she did and she's got it documented, then her case is going to be in really, really good shape. If that's not what happened, then I really wish wish that it had, because I do feel like this was a workable situation for all parties involved, and just somewhere down the line, or perhaps at multiple points, there were just breakdowns in communication, and it's not to blame any one side specifically, because again, we don't necessarily know enough, even though I can understand uh, each side, and from its own perspective, based on what's been reported. I also just, I would guess, and and let's just call it purely a guess, I would guess that there were opportunities if we, if an independent arbitrator could go back, or mediator, whoever, could just go back and and look at the timeline of, of these events, however it all unfolded. Can probably find you know, and we'll just say it's it's the Watcher because there's nobody else who would be able to see it right throughout all of the multiverse and see every moment of where things broke down. I would just guess though that uh, were such an individual to exist, they would have witnessed multiple opportunities where each side probably could have done something uh, a little bit better uh, to facilitate positive communication that could have resulted in a different outcome that allowed Victoria Alonso to do what she felt she needed to do with Argentina in 1985, but also felt like Disney was protecting its rights um, as an employer with the contract that it had with Victoria Alonso and making sure she wasn't uh, working for a competitor. Or if that was going to happen, there were specific terms under which that was going to happen. That's what I, how I really wish uh, it had gone down, but that's not how it went down as far as we understand it now, because if it had, well, we probably wouldn't be where we are at at this time. So where's it going to go from here? It would not surprise me if we see these sides taking a, a few more public shots at one another as things go, as things progress here, because we do have the message there, the statement from Victoria Alonso's attorney that that Victoria Alonzo is going to tell her story in one forum or another, and it may not be exclusively in one forum. So I think there's probably a chance that we're going to get uh, another article or two with new statements from one side or the other or both that shares a, a little more specific information on the, de- on the decisions that they made or or their perspective on what really happened. So I I do think we may still see a few more uh, public shots, uh, public shots fired through trade articles and, and whatever else. But ultimately, I think the most likely result is a private settlement between Disney and Victoria Alonso because they fired her for cause. So based on that, their argument is going to be That They don't owe her anything, but Victoria Alonso, I'm guessing, is going to have credible arguments on her side, uh, have maybe enough credible arguments on her side to at least compel a a settlement. And even if Disney, because this happens all the time, even if Disney feels like they're in the right, eventually they may just decide it's not worth it to continue having this fight, especially if it continues in public forums. That they just want it to go away, and and also maybe they will see, or maybe Victoria Alonso will be able to demonstrate and make others see that she uh, that that Disney may have had a, a technical a technically sound reason for firing her with a, a breach of contract. They may be able to make that argument, but. There's other evidence that that at least wasn't the entire story and the entire reason that she was fired. There was there were other things that weren't necessarily fireable, and Disney just picked the, the safest legal argument and, and reason that they could behind her termination, but it's not the whole story, and Victoria Alonzo can show how. It's not the whole story. That is what could result in her potentially getting a settlement, but how much we discover is going to depend on where these arguments take place. So right now they've been happening in the press. And we saw that happening with the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit a couple years ago. But let's also remember something that was very different is Victoria Alonza or not Victoria Alonza, Scarlett Johansson, her attorneys ended up filing a lawsuit in public court. And that's how we ended up getting uh, a lot of passages from contracts. And we got a lot of other information be a court documents because they were public record. They're being filed in open court. I don't know if Victoria Alonso goes and files her case in open court, like Scarlett Johansson's team did, then we might get to actually see her contract or a piece of the contract. And we might get to see emails and and other things. We might actually get to see some of the evidence. But if this just goes, if this stays as private negotiations, if it goes into a private arbitration, and it never goes into any sort of open court, any sort of public court, then we're not gonna get all of the information that we did in the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. And again, totally different legal matters being argued in those lawsuits, just in terms of where they get filed and, and how much we get to know, that's where uh, that's where we may see some similarities if Victoria Alonso takes her case uh, and files it publicly. But if, uh, if it becomes more of a, a private argument and privately arbitrated sort of scenario, then we're only going to get what they are ultimately willing to share um, in public, which is usually going to be the stuff, the shots that they fire e- at each other before they go into their private conversations and, and perhaps an eventual settlement. Okay, so that's a lot of news and a lot of analysis of said news, but now it's it's time to close with, uh, with my takeaways from this. So you, you've heard me... S- recap a lot of information if you're still here and wouldn't be shocked if you weren't wouldn't blame you if uh if you weren't not that you would know if i blame you or not if i ever gave you this pass because you're no longer listening but for those of you still here after all of recapping all of that news and and analyzing each side and and empathizing with each side and and seeing their arguments uh and as much as we understand them as much as has been reported um for us, and and not all of that may be accurate. That's just what's out there and the information that's available at this time. I don't know. I, I I talked about how my opinions may shift. My opinions of of Disney's case, of Victoria Alonso's case, and and all of this. There are a lot of things that that may potentially shift. You know that my, where my perspective may evolve over time. I don't know that my main. Takeaway is going to change as this goes on, and it might. It still might, but I have a pretty good feeling that the way I feel about this now, above all else, the way I feel about this now is probably the way I'm going to feel, um, even if we discover, even as we discover more information. And my main takeaway is that this is just sad. It's just sad that this is how it, that this is how it's all ended up. I was there in, I think it would have been January of 2018, at the Black Panther press conference as part of the Black Panther press junket. And Ryan Coogler, the co-writer and, and director, Ryan Coogler, got the question that pretty much every filmmaker gets, which is, what's it like, work, especially when it's their first project uh, for Marvel Studios, what's it like working for Marvel Studios? And Ryan Coogler described it in a way, even though it's, Same old question that every Marvel director gets with their first movie and sometimes not even their first movie for Marvel. Ryan Coogler gave a different answer and he gave an answer that has stuck with me and that I've talked about and mentioned many times on the podcast and of course got a nice laugh from everybody in the room and because everybody just thought it was just a sweet, charming answer that also felt very, very genuine, very true and, and I still, and despite all that's happened now, I, I don't doubt that that's true. Ryan Coogler, when asked what it was like working with Marvel Studios, he said it was like working with Kevin and his two friends. Kevin being, of course, Kevin Feige. His two friends, as uh, Ryan Coogler expanded on, was Luis D'Esposito, co-president of the studio, and also Victoria Alonso. That's what it was like working with Marvel Studios, that even in this gigantic studio in theory... That is behind, at the time, already been behind some of the biggest blockbusters ever. And, you know, little did we know how big it was about to become with Black Panther and Infinity War and Endgame. But he described it as that. It's just this very intimate working relationship and this style at the studio. And I just, I love that. And I know that there's more than it's, it is more than Kevin and his two friends at Marvel Studios, right? It is more than that. There are plenty of other invaluable contributors at Marvel Studios. there are several don't get me wrong and, and Ryan Coogler was not discounting the efforts of anyone else but I think what he was describing though was there was still this small studio mentality. you know there's a, a big part of Marvel Studios that even as they've expanded even as the company is is bought by Disney, And as they get moved onto the Disney lot and they get the entire second floor of the Frank G. Wells building, although it's still not that big of a space when you consider how massive the movies are for Marvel Studios, but they get their own floor uh, in the Frank G. Wells building on the Disney lot. Um, And despite all of that, it still feels like that intimate office above a Mercedes-Benz dealership in Beverly Hills, right? That it's still just this small team working together to tell stories and and tell the best versions of those stories that they can. And there is just no question. And and I think that, you know, one thing I I didn't get a chance to, or just didn't expand on as much as I I wish I had, might as well do it now, is, um, you know, talking a little bit about Victoria Alonso. And, And I know that there's also been part of this thing of of people going after Victoria Alonso and, and saying that well she was uh, a very difficult person to work with or work for as a visual effects team, as a visual effects uh, artist, and I, I would just you know quickly say on that like I'm not going to dispute anybody's account of what it was like working with Victoria Alonso. At the same time, I also have had many accounts over the years of people who I know. Who've worked with Victoria Alonso and always had always been raving about what it was like working with her, and so sometimes it can be a, a matter of the position you're in, the perspective that you have, and all of those things can can be true at the same time. And I would say, you know, from Victoria Alonso's standpoint, just because I know some people who worked with her, worked for her, and really enjoyed that experience and found her a great person to work for. Doesn't mean that she was a great person for everyone to work for. So I, I don't necessarily know, but I also do understand that her being the boss and her being in charge of post-production and visual effects and a lot of those things at Marvel Studios that that's going to make her the face of. I, I mentioned how a lot of how Marvel Studios makes things is um, you know leads to the challenges that they have with VFX and the challenges that they put upon. VFX companies and artists, a lot of that has to do with the way that Marvel Studios works. And that's not exclusively a decision that Victoria Alonso makes. It also isn't a Victoria Alonso decision to make several more movies and streaming series all at once. That's not even specifically a Marvel Studios decision. That's a br- a bigger Walt Disney Company decision. So there are a lot of things that happen that would have put pressure on VFX companies. And Victoria Alonso just ends up having to be the face of that. It doesn't mean, and I'm not absolving her, I don't know, maybe she had some really unpleasant interactions with VFX, with managers at VFX companies, supervisors. I don't know if she would have communicated directly with VFX artists or, or not in her position as an executive and as a producer on the, or executive producer on these movies. Maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I frankly don't know, and I can form an opinion on those things as things as more information becomes available. But I, you know, there are varying accounts of what it's like working with Victoria Alonso, but there are a lot of things there that are uh, that are positive, and Victoria Alonso is an important figure in the history of Marvel Studios and a massive contributor to the success of Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And look, nothing lasts forever people leave jobs, they move on to other things, or even if Victoria Alonso's intention was to work for Marvel Studios for the remainder of her career, well, at some point, a career ends because a person retires, right? And so, Victoria Alonso, she was just like Kevin Feige, who's still there, Luis Esposito, Kevin and his two friends and the other contributors who've been with the studio for a very long time, and some of whom, from the very beginning, all of them are destined to leave at some point. That's just the way these things go. But Victoria Alonso's exit is something that I would have always imagined, just like a number of other people who are still there at Marvel Studios, an exit that I would have imagined as being much more of a fond farewell with genuine best wishes from each side to the other. And I don't know whose fault it is that that's not... What happened? But that's not the way it's going to be. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I still will hold out some hope that at some point, when these arguments are eventually resolved, that we can move past that. Everybody involved can eventually move past this point and somehow remember seventeen years uh, of her service for the company and find ways to view that positively her and the people that she was working with and working for, I really do hope that eventually that can happen, because for right now, it's just a shame that it's not a fond farewell, and I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if it's Alonzo's fault. I don't know and that that's not happening. I don't know if it's Disney's fault. I don't know if it's both. If it's Alonzo and Disney and people within the Walt Disney Company and of whose fault it is, that things have ended up this way. That's for all of them to figure out and argue and settle on money or not or whatever they end up doing from here. But for us as fans, for me as a fan, and I think for some, at least some of you listening to this, it's just sad to see what was such a strong, positive partnership end in such a negative way. That is just sad, and I think it's always going to be sad, again, without... Unless holding out that one sliver of hope that this relationship can be mended, not in terms of Victoria Alonso going back and, and working for the company again—that would—that would shock me—but just to find a way at some point, and that's probably a, a long ways off, if ever. But eventually, find a way to focus on the the positives of the time that uh, that she spent there and, and the work that she did while she was there and her contributions because she is one of those uh, she's a foundational figure, foundational executive there at Marvel Studios who did do a lot of great work over the years. You know, all of the praise that that she got, all of the promotions that she got, none of that wasn't coming from nothing. That was coming from the quality of work that she was doing and the contributions that she made to the studio's success. And so it's a it's hard to focus on that right now but it is something that will be worth remembering as part of the legacy of Marvel Studios and how Victoria Alonso is forever a part of that. And just sad that it didn't end in a way that truly reflects that, but maybe something we'll be able to keep in mind. And eventually we'll come back to uh, the forefront of the minds of everyone uh, of everyone involved. At least that's that's the most we can hope for at this point. But that is where I will wrap up this edition of MCU Fan Show. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at MCU Fan Show. For additional podcasts exclusive to premium subscribers, check out Fanshow Plus at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts if you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or just search for Fanshow Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can find it there and subscribe and get those exclusive episodes. And then also, please remember to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Those have picked up lately, and you've been saying some very nice things. Thank you so much for the kind words, if you have already left your rating and review. If not, we really would appreciate it, and it sure does help us out, uh, as it helps out any podcast when you leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. So, thanks in advance to those who are going to write their review, and again, thanks... uh, after the fact, for those of you who've already, uh, already done it. And if you want to go ahead and follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can. It's at Mr. Sean Gerber. But for now, for MCU Fan Show, I'm Sean. Take care. We'll see you next time.